Hey everyone, welcome to episode 47 of the Switch Focus podcast. I'm your host Andy Corrigan. With me today is just Andrew Brown. Ginny Wu's out with some uh, personal stuff, so uh, best wishes to her. She'll be back soon. We'll also be splicing in her her hot takes on the stuff she's played later in the show. Uh, how have you been going this week, Andrew? Fine. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to start the show just... Uh, Missed it last week, but a uh, a friend of ours uh, on Twitter, especially the editor in chief of RP Gamer, he uh, passed away uh, in the last week or so. Uh, cancer, unfortunately. Uh, just wanted to recognise him. He was a a big supporter of handheld gaming and, by extension, the Switch. Absolutely lovely fella. I used to chat RPGs and JRPGs with him all the time. Uh, much love to his family and uh yeah hope they're all going okay just the one update from me this week uh into the breach i i spoke about it briefly spliced in in last week's episode uh i've been playing this a ton i have not expected it to sort of take over my life in the way it did and uh, i think it might be in contention for my game of the year come the end i know we've still got a couple of months to go um couple of things I just wanted to provide updates on is the the structure. I hadn't really got my head around it previously. I'd been playing it blind. I haven't followed any writing about it or any guides or anything like that. Uh, so how it works is when you jump in, you have to tackle an island. You beat that one, you go on to the next island. If you beat that one, you unlock the third. There's four in total, but if you beat two of them, it opens up the final mission, which is sort of scaled to how well you've done in those two missions uh which is a really cool thing so uh it sort of gives you the freedom of choice about whether you want to do another island or two to try and risk everything to get more upgrades and stats or do you just go in with what you've got if you've got the the power and the strength or the even the tactical nous to get there uh the other thing i didn't realize at that point was that there are actually different teams that you can unlock so you you play the games eventually you learn these coins that you can spend to unlock the other mech teams so i've got like six of them at the moment my favorite is still the second one which are the the rusting hulks who have a, a nice sort of spread of abilities uh in terms of being able to attack from range being able to push enemies around the map and being able to sort of prevent them from attacking in sort of really dire situations. Uh, and they're, they're the team that have got me the furthest in any run I've had so far. Um, yeah, Andrew, I think you would really like this one, especially with your uh, apprehension about Bad North not really having any progression system. I feel like this one would give you something to work towards. Yeah, it's a definite pickup for me. It's just, unfortunately, I really... I in my financial situation i'm in and i really need to commit to only one game a week so uh, if they hadn't surprise announced it it probably would have been the game i did get that week but sorry <laughs> i'll get it <laughs> at some point <sighs> yeah i just feel sad that you jumped on uh, bad north but that that did look really good and you know it still does look good it's just it, i guess it just doesn't have the things that keeps you playing yeah personally. i think bad north is an excellent strategy game it just there's nothing there to get me coming back especially since i still don't know if it has an ending uh, i need to do more research on it <laughs> <laughs> um 
Yeah, and of course, uh, Into the Breach, the runs are really, like, really short. So you can like blast out a run in half an hour to an hour. Uh, if you want to quit out of it, it saves your progress to the move in the map, which is really cool. Uh, so I'm finding it um, a good companion for other games. Uh, I think uh, you, you alluded to it last week, but I think we've both been checking out a, a particular game on, on another platform this week. Uh, and I found it like a really good sort of uh, wind down from that. So yeah, uh, I've, I've come close to beating it a couple of times, that final mission. So let's, uh, I hope I can do it soon. I really want to get that, that last mission done. So yeah. Okay, so let's uh, talk about the latest Switch news. Okay, by now you'll be aware that uh, Nintendo had planned to hit us with a Nintendo Direct earlier this week, but it unfortunately got delayed due to the powerful earthquake in Hokkaido. Uh, takeaways from this is that people are awful. Uh, they were responding to Nintendo's tweets about this with just the com- with a complete lack of sympathy, demanding remuneration for, you know adverts basically uh for not being able to see their adverts which is just utterly disgusting uh, i think or at least i like to hope that it was a bit overblown because going through the replies there was quite a lot of supportive stuff as well as the stupid stuff uh but yeah just one of those really weird just you know people are affected by this just shut up it's video games get on with it however we have had some announcements in the wake of the earthquake that we believe would have been intended for the direct the biggest one is civilization 6 uh which is great in itself but for me i i really hope that opens the door for the possibility of xcom on the switch are you a fan of civilization at all andrew I am a fan. I've been playing since civilization 2 in the 90s uh but i'm not I'm not good at civilization. <laughs> uh, I will often start a civilization game and I will rarely finish it. Maybe that's not actually all that unusual for players of civilization, but th- it's an exhausting game to play. And I actually, my favorite civilization game, and people are going to hate me for this, was actually Civilization Revolution on the DS. I play that game a lot, but that was because I could actually finish a map in that. Uh, but the Civilization series in general runs into that problem I have with, uh, you know, needing something to work towards. Where if you just you finish a map and you win it or you lose it and then you start again, that's mostly what you do in Civilization, and that doesn't always engage me for long periods of time. Especially, apparently, coming out concurrently to Civilization Six is going to be Diablo Three, which is going to be far more engaging to me. Uh, but I've played a lot of Civilization V as well. I think it's an excellent strategy game. It's just so in-depth and complicated that I don't know if I'm going to have my attention captured. Uh, That's the main thing I'm worried about. The other thing I'm worried about is I remember the big problem with Civilization V was its standard release was so stripped down and bare bones that there were a lot of people who are very experienced Civilization players who insisted that the game really wasn't worth playing until all of its expansions had been come out and all of the deeper systems had been reintroduced into the game. And I haven't read much about Civilization VI, but I'm wondering if it was the same situation there. And I'm wondering 
if all the expansions for it are out already or what. I mean, I, I've heard very little about Civilization VI in terms of its development and its reception. So I'm kind of on the fence about its Switch release, but if it comes out in a free week, I might pick it up. Yeah, I've not spent more than a couple of hours on the, the mainline uh, Civilization games, but I have to agree with you at the risk of upsetting Civilization fans. Revolution is amazing. I played that on Xbox 360. That is such a great video game. Uh, we're console kids deal with it (laughs) yeah and um basically like i got civilization revelation sorry revolution 2 on uh, vita that was also really good i have that i I think it was basically like a mobile game i I think it was a cell phone game uh because the the mobile port of xcom that's on Vita. That was definitely also used to be a mobile game. I got him in yeah. a humble, I got him in a humble bundle, and I was when I sat down to play him, I was like, "Oh, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> but both pretty good ports, I thought. So, um, yeah, let's see how that one works out. Uh, the other news is that the name of Yoshi's uh, next game, which was pushed back to 2019. Is potentially Yoshi's Crafted World. This was spotted a couple of times on the Nintendo website in the the wake of the direct, uh, and yeah, it would make sense. They would have had stuff scheduled to go up on the website around that time, I think. So, yeah, another potential announcement is that uh, Final Fantasy Fifteen Pocket Edition HD is coming soon to the Switch. Uh, it's already out on other consoles, which is uh, I. Th- I don't think they could have delayed that announcement any further. I expect it imminently on Switch. Uh, we disagreed slightly on this one, but my impression was this was going to be, hey, and it's available now thing for the Direct. Uh, but you think they probably would have just pushed it out now in the wake of it anyway? Yeah, Square Enix is a big company. They're not going to just go along with Nintendo saying, well, we, we had to delay our Direct, so you have to delay your release. You know, Nintendo, I'm sure, has final control over what gets published on their shop and when but if if they did pull that with square enix that's not gonna bode well for their future business relations Uh, i'm sure that it was always going to take a little longer for it to turn up on switch but if uh when they do their rescheduled direct if it turns up then well i guess that'll be the answer to that question and i really hope that they're not jerking square enix around because that's an important publisher to have on your side yeah the the relationship is pretty solid at the moment they need to keep that one going um and lastly there was a leaked pikachu sorry pokemon let's go pikachu screenshot that shows a surfing pikachu made famous from uh, pokemon yellow on the game boy that's probably not a massive surprise but uh i i gather you know, massive fans of the Pokemon series would be excited for that. I assume you don't have any take on that one. I am still in completely intending to skip Let's Go. So no, not paying too much <laughs> attention <enough>. to that. <laughs> no worries. Okay, so let's move on to what we've played this week. Okay, I'll answer this one first. Nothing that I haven't already mentioned. I've played nothing new. Uh, I think we should spread this out a bit. We'll start with something that uh, Ginny has covered. Uh, so let's let's go with Video Kid. Uh, let's hear what she has to say about that. Getting into what I played this week. So I played probably the 
the most games of the lot. And by, by most, I mean I play one more title than Andrew. So this makes me this week's unofficial Andrew, aka the person that played the most stuff. Gonna own it for the four days or so that I get to keep that title before the next episode comes out. But that's alright. Um, the Video Kids. So this game reminds me very strongly of Crossy Road. Not a bad thing before anyone jumps on me about that. Mobile games are not inherently bad. Please stop making that association. It is a very charming, very 80s inspired game. In fact, the opening title card slaps the word 80s in front of it, just in case you weren't sure that it was going to take place in the 80s. Um, and you basically do like um, a paper route, except for rental DVDs. And you have to throw these, I guess, video cars, DVDs, I always call them, I just get mixed up because I'm a child of the internet and videos were around for a very short time when I was an infant. Um, you deliver people videos and you throw the videos into their mailboxes as you skate past. So if it sounds like a workplace health and safety hazard, it is it is very dangerous you could biff things you could miss the mailbox entirely and break a window i did that a lot you could hit people you know you could get hit by cars because you were for some reason inevitably skating on the road and not on the sidewalks because the game will put obstacles there to encourage you to go on the road and to i guess have a high risk play style for your day job as a as the equivalent of a video mailman um, but conceptually entertaining and just like Saturday morning RPG, it really, 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 really sticks to that aesthetic theme. And I mean, sticks to it. Like you've got the option to, to, to sort of buy power-ups later on. And you've got that frame, like, I guess, like an old uh, arcade setting, uh, with the, with the neon, with the neon signs and also everything, you know, earning your one buck per video type minimum wage pay style, which I assume was what the 80s was like, because I wouldn't know I wasn't alive then. Um, I'm showing my age a bit, but um, basically, it is a very heavily stylized um, game. And the whole point of it is to really be a, a, a video delivery guy, which is fine. It's I am awful at it, I will admit this straight up, I am so terrible at this game. I have seen myself die uh, many a time, sort of run over by a car, trying to jump over a car and failing, uh, running into a mailbox. I've also thrown many a video through some poor old lady's window. So I am by no means good at this game, but I still really enjoyed it. It's a really good time killer in the way that Crossy Road and Flappy Birds are good are good games that are time killers. Like it's not too demanding on you, but it's entertaining. The music is great and like I said, it's so thematically strong that if you're someone that's got a huge nostalgia for the eighties um, I'd recommend it. It's fun. It's a good pickup. Andrew, you've been uh, earmarked as our Fortnite correspondent for quite a while now. Uh, you've been checking out the Getaway event that's happening. Yeah, the Getaway is a new squad mode that's been added to Fortnite just in this past week. It's marked as temporary, but it could last much longer because this is a complete reimagining of how you play Fortnite and what you do with it. Like before it's a standard battle Royale mode where you and 99 other people drop down onto this Island. Last person standing wins. Uh, this one actually focuses more on going to one of four points on a map and you and three other players are supposed to steal a diamond that drops at one of these points and carry it to a getaway van marked elsewhere on the map. And you know, you're still trying to shoot other players, basically, but it's completely changing up your goals and your priorities 
and i i didn't enjoy the mode much but that's because you have to play it in a squad like if they would expand this out to being able to play it as a solo queue i would probably be a lot more into it but i played it for a bit and i had a good time with it i want to match uh, i can definitely see what they're going for here because having to actually go to a specific point right at the start of the match and having to carry the thing that drops there to another point on the map really expands out the speed that the game plays at because you in the standard battle royale mode it's entirely possible and actually almost always the best idea is to drop as far away from other players as possible and this one you don't really have that option it forces conflict right away and it adds a whole new aesthetic to the game too it adds a new uh grappling hook item you can use to pull yourself to different locations it's a rare drop unfortunately i think if they just made it as part of the default loadout like your melee weapon is that could really kind of expand out the end game which right now is even though they've spent most of this season trying to rebalance the game so that way building walls isn't so prominent they still haven't quite gotten it right it, giving this alternate form of transportation i think could really upend and disrupt that particular strategy <laughs> if suddenly you, you couldn't just build a wall to get yourself away from players because they can just pull themselves over the wall or to the top of the wall it's an interesting idea i think that might be where they're going with it this might just be a a test bed for that and also it adds this new kind of announcer overlay over the top of everything that gives you updates on your new objectives if this is the direction that Fortnite is going to be going in, adding these more objective-based modes and adding these new tools that aren't really focused on killing other players but about moving around the map, then Fortnite is going to be growing into something else beyond just the Battle Royale modes that all the other games are trying to play catch-up with right now. I'm, I didn't like it very much just because of the squad requirement, but I am heartened to see the changes being made and what it suggests may be happening with Fortnite in, in the coming seasons. Like this is the the perfect example of a good live service game. I think they're constantly evolving. It always feels like there's something happening. There's always an event. There's always the the new season to look forward to. And then you get these other like AAA uh games of service games that just stagnate massively. I'm looking at you, Destiny. <laughs> uh and yeah, it's I, it's this thing. They've always got a reason to pull you back in and to keep going back to it. And I, I really appreciate that, even if, say, like this mode is not for me because I'm not really a team player. I, I, I love that they're constantly evolving it. It's, uh, yeah, props to them. Okay, uh, one of the other games that Ginny's been playing is Hyperlight Drifter. I know a lot of people were excited about this one to hit Switch. I have an outside interest in it it does look very good uh but let's hear from Ginny now let's see what she thinks i have been waiting for this game for a long time i know it's been out for on other platforms and i've always had it on my wish list but i just never got around to actually buying it because i could never really justify getting it at the time um but now i thought it's on my favorite console i gotta bite the bullet and it's great um it tells a very esoteric story of a main character suffering with a chronic illness, or at least that's what the allegory is. You know, you spit up blood a lot and everything hurts and you're haunted by some specter which causes you to, to pass out and exhibit medical symptoms, I suppose, of stress. So I suspect it's an allegory for chronic illness and that we're going to learn a lot more about that and that there'll be other sort of thinly veiled metaphors throughout the world about, about what's happening and why. But you're basically a lone wanderer type character um, 
it it kind of looks like the opening like like cover art for dead cells um <laughs> you're like a um a a humanoid creature that is most likely more more real machine than man um you start off with the help of a trusty robot that helps you open things to communicate with others because you are apparently mute um and your only real way of getting around this highly tech po- high tech post apocalyptic world is interacting with things by using your machine which i assume hacks stuff or communicates electronically with other machines to open doors and to get you around this world and your goal really is to initially to revitalize this town and to to learn more i suppose about your condition and and to figure out what's happening in the world around you and and you know why is everyone so hostile you know why why do things attack you on site? And why are there others like you? You know what's happening out there. It's it kind of reuses that whole woken up from a, a, you know a deep sleep and what's happening? I've got no powers and it kind of uses the whole silent traumatic protagonist thing, silent traumatized protagonist thing very well, like Breath of the Wild does, I think. Um, but if you're looking for a game with obvious narrative, I guess sign points and an obvious plot line you're probably not going to find it here but it plays really really well um it definitely is very um kind of action rpg stylized combat reminds me a lot of um i suppose i would say real-time transistor you know um you dash around you 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 cut things up with your fancy glow and sword you shoot things as well there's a bit of puzzling involved in terms of getting around different maps um the you know in order to actually figure out where bosses are you have to interact with other people and talk to them and generally kind of spread the myth of the lone wanderer taking down things in the world that are bothering others so i'm keen to see where it goes i've tried to not spoil myself about the story because i've heard it's spectacular so i will not ramble on too long about that but i've got a good solid kind of um very stylized pixel um, action RPG this is the one for you and I know it's hinting at deeper things I can just feel it it's not just kind of like a happy-go-lucky Lone Wanderer saves, saves the world type story like I know there's more in there and I want to dig it out so if you like games that kind of feed you the plot but you know in dribs and drabs and get you to I guess interact with it and learn more through the environment than than obvious prodding and you like a good slashing here and there of enemies and shooting things and generally kind of, I guess, unpuzzling the world around you, then yeah, I would pick this up. I, I'm loving it. It's probably um, the, my favorite game this week, even though I love Luckery Chronicles 4. This is the game that kind of made me sit there and really think. So I recommend it. I've just had a great week with games this week, honestly. It's been, it's been a real treat. Okay. Uh, and Andrew, I believe you've returned to Poi. Or started Poi? I can't remember. I visited Poi very briefly uh, last year at the end of October, I think it was. Uh, but I didn't stay with it for very long. I just I just checked it out so I could say what it was and post a video for it on our YouTube channel and then move on to something else. Because uh, Poi is a 3D platformer. It's a very old school 3D platformer in the style of Super Mario 64. And it came out, I think the same day if not within a couple days of another little game called super mario odyssey so it kind (laughs) of got immediately lost but i think that's kind of too bad because this is an indie game it's a very it's a much smaller game but i thought it was a perfectly enjoyable 3d platformer uh you just play as one of 
these two kids who wants to be an explorer and one day they meet an old man who tells them about this great treasure that he almost found one day uh, and all the keys to it these things called explorers medallions he lost them and he needs their help finding them so they can go claim this treasure and that's the whole story but it's a uh, it's got a couple of fairly vanilla worlds it's nothing that you wouldn't be too surprised by it's got a lava level it's got a forest level it's got a desert level and you just run through them all looking for these explorer medallions but it's not too exciting in what it does but it's very dense in what it does there's actually a lot to find in every level lots of different things that you can find to collect which is you know the main thing you want to be doing in a 3d platformer uh there's fossils you can find by digging in special locations there's just explorer points you can reach that just fill in points on your map and if you find all of them then you get an explorer's medallion just things like that it's nothing special it's nothing to get excited about but it's extremely competent and i enjoyed myself for the six hours it lasted me i liked it cool sounds just like one of those games that's completely middle of the road but you just enjoy it while it lasts and forget it once it's done pretty much yeah uh, I, I played it last sunday and i have barely thought about it this week since so <laughs> <laughs> cool uh and lastly uh now this is currently under embargo at the time of recording but i think that lifts by the time the episode will go live jenny's been playing it. it's valkyria chronicles 4 it's one i'm super excited for but i am more than happy to wait for the official release date before i check that out with everything that's currently on my plate uh, so let's check in with Ginny again and hear what she thinks about it. So this week, uh, I think the highlight for me was probably Valkyria Chronicles 4. So for those that don't know anything about the game, it is a SR- it's an SRPG, so it's a strategy RPG. And it has kind of like a mashup plot between World War One and World War Two. It's interesting. Um but it is definitely, I would say, a niche title. It's got a lot of anime visuals. Um, the style sort of is kind of anime slash set in a nondescript European land full of rolling countryside hills and lakes and and Germanic and Soviet-sounding names. Um, basically, it's um, kind of like, you know, the Allied forces versus, um, well, the faceless burgundy clad entity of of other nations and it is a srpg in the vein of fire emblem i say this very loosely um but trying to i guess find common ground for people that don't play srpgs normally it's kind of like fire emblem whereby you have troops and you're going to battle against other troops the difference being really in this game, in this game, sorry, what they call the blitz system, and that's this sort of live, sort of I guess, um, real time fighting, um, real time combat element. So each character has an a certain amount of energy that they can use to move on a turn. So it's not like on a grid; you're like on an open battlefield, and when you're moving, you open yourself to taking returning fire from people that are within range of you. Um, open yourself up to mortar fire and stuff like that. Um, and once you've done your moves, you get to attack. And so you kind of play this out in like a, I guess, like a third person shooting experience. Um, it's, it's a, it's a unique game. Um, Valkyria Chronicles 1 was critically acclaimed. The rest, not so much. The franchise kind of lapsed into, 
um, action RPG obscurity with its last title, at least on like a critical front. So it's actually really nice to see that Valkyria Chronicles 4 kind of comes back to what made the series so great. And if you've played VC1 on the PlayStation, it's the storyline for VC4 happens at a parallel time. I mean, there's Magitech, there's there's straight up magic, there's there's tanks, there's, I guess, uh, stories about why war is bad and about ethics and war. And, it, you know, does anyone really win in war? I guess tropes that you've heard before and seen before. And you might think that the anime aesthetic might make it grating, but it doesn't. Like, it's not sort of told up, it's not told in this kind of like, I guess, over-the-top hammy way that makes it lose its emotional weight. Yeah, it's got some cheese, which is predictable for some sort of Japanese-inspired European history-based game. Um, But it's not at all the kind of cheese that makes you not take it seriously. So I think if you've never played a VC Chronicles game, 4 is about as good a place to start as any because it really kind of stays true to the original VC formula. And it's just great. It's a great port. Runs great on the Switch. HD Rumble makes it feel amazing. Um, for context, you have, I guess, the Rumble kind of intensifies um, or or lessens in intensity based on the weapons you're firing. So when things kind of hit you, when you get some recoil from using a shotgun or a machine gun or a grenade launcher, the HD Rumble is really super satisfying to use. So I would recommend you play with that on for this game. Just to add more atmosphere to it, you know. It's just a good time overall. And if you like strategy RPG games and you're not afraid of a little bit of anime aesthetic, I would 100% recommend you that you pick this up. Ready? Go! That's it. It's time again for our Super Smash Bros. Ultimate Predictions. Uh, Andrew, I'm going to let you go first this week. What's yours? Uh, this has been in past Smash Brothers mode. Actually, I think Smash Brothers is one of the first games to ever have had this mode, but it's going to be greatly expanded, I think, in this game. It's going to have a photo mode, uh, probably inspired by what we saw in Super Mario Odyssey, but definitely there's going to be some expanded form of a photo mode compared to what's been in past Smash Brothers titles. Which is, as someone who's late to the Smash Brothers series, I've always wondered how they got those snazzy shots for memes. So, <laughs> uh, now I know. Um, well, I think those are all from emulators, but yeah. Yeah, probably a good shot. Uh, now, mine's a really lazy one. Uh, I think in some form we will see some wonderful 101 content. Uh, Nintendo seem to have a decent relationship with Platinum. They're certainly developing Bayonetta 3 for Switch. Uh, so in some form i think we'll see some reference to the wonderful 101 Uh, and let's check in with Ginny, hear what hers is so on to my favorite section of the podcast as per usual the other two have already gone so it's just me now um i was gonna go with andrew's idea but i because i'm incapable of original thought anymore but i will not i will make an effort um, I would like to say that there will be themed seasonal events. So, like, how we have a lot of games now, um, with, I guess, more, maybe not so much games on the Switch, but, get, you know, games being used as a games, as a service type rotation. I mean, like, Pokken has events now and then. It's not so weird that Switch would have events as well. Um, I'm thinking in-game events that are, are regional events. I think if we, if Switch can if Smash Switch 
ends up usurping the place of of Smash Bros currently in terms of being like a, a competitive esport with different region scenes and whatnot. I think it'll make sense to have regional events. Um, I know Overwatch already does that for some things like the Commonwealth Games events and stuff like that. But you could easily do like you know like an Australia Day Smash or something or um, you know smash event to commemorate to commemorate the olympics you know that would give characters more skins i think that games as a service well i hate that phrase you know it's an end thing now and tekken pocket already has so many cosmetics it wouldn't make any sense to to not have a same i guess to not to not exploit that in some way by putting it in smash bros as well so that's my predict um seasonal events slash regional events for people to play multiplayer ones Okay, Andrew, what are you checking out this week? Uh, it's going to be once again something from my backlog because my weekly game money is going towards something on the PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> would that be something Lara Croft related? It would, yes. Uh, I, I have a project I'm planning and Lara Croft, in the, the reboot Lara Croft, I think is going to be a big focus on it in, at the start. So I, I kind of have to play Shadow as soon as it comes out. <laughs> Cool. We will be sure to plug that, even though it's not Switch related. Uh, I too have been naughty and have been betraying Nintendo by checking out PlayStation games. Uh, well, one in particular, Spider-Man, I have to say it. I am a humongous Spider-Man fanboy and it's just one of those games that I will drop everything for, even if it's a bad one. Yes, I still have Spider-Man 3 and Web of Shadows in my game collection. Um, what about Shadow other Dimensions? Than that, though, Shadow Dimensions... Yeah, that, that one was okay. There was the follow-up to that, which was just setting a building, and that was awful. Anyway, <laughs> Switch stuff. Um, I will make a start on Wasteland 2. I don't think I'm... I think it's out in this next week. Yeah, it should be on the 13th. Uh, I will not be playing it fully until I finish some other stuff, but I will start it to give people an idea on how it runs, especially compared to, say, the PS4 version. Uh, and I'm also going to check out bastion if i can otherwise i'm just going to be plugging away at the games i have been plugging away at which is ease 8 and into the breach which is awesome and i, I can't wait to play more of it uh, and Ginny's got on the show notes here that she's going to be checking out uh xenoblade chronicles 2 i think trying to finish that before torn of the golden country comes out oh god that's this month isn't it yep uh... <laughs> And uh, more Hyperlight Drifter, and she's going to be checking out SNK Heroines. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the Switch Focus Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast services. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively Switch Focus community. Links are in the show notes. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates, news, and other content. If you'd like to support the show, you can now buy us a coffee. The details are on our website. Thanks in advance. Uh, and if you want to follow us individually on Twitter, you can do. I'm at Flame Roast Toast. Andrew is at Play Critically. He's also streaming at twitch.tv forward slash Play Critically, uh, where he plays a lot of the games that he talks about on the show. And uh, Ginny is at Ginny Woes.
So one thing that I actually noticed about these earthquakes in Hokkaido and this whole situation, I was actually writing up a news post about it when I guess all this stuff broke and I saw some of the worst tweets I'd seen in my life. I mean, I'm sure Andy and Andrew have already covered off some of the highlights, but there were some horrifically entitled people out there and I mean... I love Nintendo, right? I'm a Nintendo fan. I consider myself a Nintendo fan boy, fan girl, fan person even, you know, because I've bought so many first party Nintendo games over the course of my life. I was from a Nintendo household, so we repped Nintendo forever. And it was just, even then, that th- the threads that I saw kind of made me go, oh, do I really want to call myself a Nintendo fan? Just because some of the people that were just saying stuff were just being so insensitive. And I mean, yes, I know that the direct is probably something that's pre-recorded, but it's not about whether or not they can't physically play the footage from some office in Japan. It's about actually recognizing the impact that the event had on other people and like respectfully delaying it for a short amount of time because people died. I am so shocked that that's just not apparent to people and that people want things like, oh, give us a free game, Nintendo. Or like, Nintendo, you're terrible at, at making games. How could you delay this one presentation for me? It's like, I think if you were someone that got mad about that, you should really honestly just sit back and reevaluate all your priorities. It's just, I cannot stress this clearly enough. Like, <laughs> being a good person is free. You know, just have a little think once in a while about other people other than yourself. If your first reaction to the, to the, to the Nintendo Direct being cancelled was, oh no, what am I going to do about my games? Like, please do not be this guy. Okay, do not do this.